Now we ask Brother Frank. Blessed and praised be the Lord our God for His grace and faithfulness. Today early in the morning we received already emails. We received phone calls. The first phone call came from Melbourne, Australia, Kinshasa, Nairobi, Johannesburg, Guadeloupe. From everywhere we received the news that brothers and sisters were listening, were watching, and they were rejoicing together with us. Today, we have received a special email from our beloved brother Schautz. And here it says, Dear Brother Frank, with all my heart I wish you and all the assembly God's richest blessings from Shanghai. From Shanghai. All know where Shanghai is. And we are just very, very grateful. Also the words which are now following. I'm reading. It is a great blessing 
that one can hear from every part of the earth, one can hear the original word, so that it might be fulfilled from all peoples, tongues and nations. The Lord calls His own out. I thank you and so forth. The Lord God bless you. Just so nice. We said it time and again. It's God's grace. We appreciate it very much that you are coming. And by this, the whole world comes to know that the Lord has a church, which of course is, a, is scattered in all peoples and tongues, but as it was with all the servants of God, one needs a platform, a home church, to preach the word. And that's how it also was with Brother Brenham. He had a church. And someday he said, if I am, when I am in, in other cities, then I have to regard the preacher and the assembly. But here, here I can say everything the way God has given it to me. Brother Brenham was a kind man, a loving person, who appreciated and esteemed others, and who didn't use the pulpit of others to say something which would cause trouble in a local church. At home, in his home church, he could say everything freely and openly. There, nobody, nobody could uh, touch him and say him, saying, stop, not like this. But God has led it in such a way that he could say there everything as he wanted. Now, at this weekend, we of course have a whole bus from Slovakia with our precious brothers and sisters. I say it freely and openly. If people are traveling more than 1,200 kilometers to hear God's word, what shall then be with us? What a seriousness, what a responsibility was given to us by God. Then we have brothers from Montreal, from Pretoria, from Uzbekistan. What makes them to come here? Why are they here? Of course not, because this city would have some kind of tourism or some sightseeing highlights, but for the sake of the word of God. And God, of course, said that he would send a hunger for his word. And brothers and sisters, today there are many who are running after the great men who can speak of signs and wonders. Here it is different. 
Here it is about the word, about the spiritual food, about that what the Spirit has to say unto the churches. And the Lord confirms His word with signs following. Just yesterday I heard it in the office, two wonderful testimonies, how God healed of cancer. We don't make much advertising here, but we say with a grateful heart, God is faithful. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He confirms His precious and holy word. We are happy that you all have come and especially all those who are here today for the first time. Please stand up. Who is here today at this weekend for the first time in our midst? Please stand up. Some. Sure. The Lord God bless you. May he be with you. We are happy. We hope and we believe that it will not that it was not for the last time. God bless you. And you are always welcome. Now, we will have a child dedication and then afterward I ask our brother from Uzbekistan to give us a word of greeting and also our brothers from Montreal and from Pretoria just to come to the front and to give us greetings. Yes, God willing, Today, in one week, I will be in Johannesburg, and then Pretoria, and then Cape Town, and Durban, and Port Elizabeth, and probably in two neighboring countries. We have to redeem the time. It's precious, and it's always a strengthening for all the brothers when they are established in the word of truth. Today we announced this Sunday as a day of the Bible in the newspaper. And all you who you have friends and brothers and sisters who would like to have a Bible, you can get one after the service. There are still some left. Brothers and sisters, We already heard a wonderful word from James, chapter 5, verse 7, James 5, verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Yesterday, we spoke about it what coming means. Our Lord said, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again to take you unto myself so that you are there where I am also. Not a teaching, not some kind of revelation, but He Himself He Himself, who redeemed us and who went to prepare the place for us. He will come again 
and he will fetch his own. Then we have the wonderful words in Matthew 25 about the wise and the foolish virgins. And time and again, the question comes up, what distinguishes the wise from the foolish? Both have lamps. Both have illumination. Both are virgins, undefiled. Where is the difference? I think, I think, I've said it in Zurich, the difference is therein that, for instance, Mary received the word of promise. And then the Spirit came upon her. And by this, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father. In the same way, the wise virgins receive now the Word of promise in them. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon us so that Christ can be in us the hope of glory. So that the new divine life in us can be manifested. We all know the rain falls on the just and the unjust, upon the evil and the good. The sun shines upon all. But the difference is really therein that the wise receive the word of the hour, the word of promise, knowing God was at work in a supernatural way by His grace. How was the beginning of the new covenant? We have said it many times. It happened in a supernatural way. The heaven came down and the angel Gabriel gave to Zacharias the promise of the birth of John the Baptist. That's how the New Testament started. The bridge from the old to the new was made. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were unto John. And from that time on, the kingdom of God is being preached. A new beginning. Up to then, all could do what uh, they liked. But from that time on, from that moment on, that had to be done what is right before God. And we have lined it out. Whoever receives a man of God, who by a divine calling brings the word, receives him who sent him. And whoever receives him who sent him, receives the word with, whom, with which the man was sent. Because that's how it is written in the Gospel of John. In chapter 1 from verse 5 and 6, John was a man sent from God. Brothers and sisters, the first book which 
Gordon Lindsay wrote about the ministry of Brother Brenham has the title A Man Sent from God. And this we recognized. We didn't bypass it, but we recognized that there is a promise which has now been fulfilled. And so, we by grace, we can, we may have part in that, what God is doing right now. In the same way we know, after the ministry of John the Baptist was finished, our Lord started His ministry. And after the ministry of our Lord and the work of redemption was accomplished, then the New Testament church came into existence by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and all of the plan of salvation of our God took its course in the various epochs. The one ministry led to the other ministry and again the next one to the next one. And now the Lord has a church into which he has set ministries and gifts and tasks to proclaim the word and that we have the grace to live at the end of the time of grace. It's a privilege, but this privilege is connected with a responsibility. This we didn't choose. We were not looking for it. This has been given to us by God. And so we take the responsibility before God to carry the true and clear proclamation into all the world. And we testify that every doctrine of the scripture is established at least on two or three witnesses, two or three or more scriptures. One scripture, one statement, one quote, everybody can twist and move in every direction. But we go from scripture to scripture, from word to word, from the Old to the New Testament, from the New to the Old, from the Gospels to the book of Acts, from Acts to the epistles, from the epistles to the book of Revelation, which God has given at the end. And we thank the Lord for that, that He has given us the privilege to believe as the scripture has said it. The word from Romans, chapter 11, we will have to read more often to time and again show us how important God's word is. Romans chapter 11 verse 3 
And four, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. And now comes in verse four this tremendous statement. But what saith the answer of God unto him? We are not interested in a human answer. What is the answer of God unto him? What does God answer? He answers through his word. And it's written. I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. At that time, it were seven thousand. How many there are today, we don't know. But the Lord knows his own. And then it says this tremendous statement. In verse 5, even so, then at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. A remnant. A remnant. I can nothing for it. God has made the choice before the foundation of the world. But I'm thankful for that that we may belong to this remnant, that we found grace in the sight of God, that we may hear and receive what the Lord promised to us and what He said, us, said to us in His Word. Verse 6, we also emphasized, And if by grace, then is it no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. By grace, being called out, by grace, being separated, by grace, having heard the word of the hour and obeyed it. Because that's what's all about. Not only to hear, but to believe and to obey. Brothers and sisters, we time and again emphasized it. The church, now at the end, has to return to the beginning. And then we have to go to the book of Acts, chapter 1, in connection with Luke 24, where our Lord from verse 47 has given the commission that in his name repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached unto all nations. 
And then the emphasis, remain in Jerusalem until ye are endued with the power from on high, until the promise of the Father has become true, and then ye shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. We emphasized it here before. If Peter would have preached his sermon without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, then not 3,000 people would have believed on one day. And according to Acts 2, verse 41, they were also baptized. A sermon which is not accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit shows no biblical results. And we all, we have to take care that the power of the Holy Spirit is manifested as at the beginning, so also at the end. And then it's not Peter, but the Holy Spirit who accompanies the word, who convicts the people of sin, that they repent, that they come to the Lord, that they dedicate their lives unto Him, and then being baptized in obedience to the word. Here, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, the man of God, in verse 2, he wrote about our Lord, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Forty days our Lord spent with his own, and he spoke with them about the kingdom of God. Then in verse 3 it says, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Beloved, we are aware that the Lord by His revealed living word which he revealed freshly from his throne, that he speaks to us. For us, the things are not only written in Isaiah or in Jeremiah or in the book of Acts. For us, these words are written into our hearts. It is a direct living word which we receive and with an inner agreement we may receive it. 
What we all have to take note of is written in Zechariah, chapter 2, in the last two verses, in reference to the people of Israel, and we bless Israel in the name of the Lord. And please, come all with us, who you can come with us. Zechariah, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the Holy Land and shall choose Jerusalem again. Where will the Lord receive His church? So that she can be His church. Of course, not in the dispersion, in all the denominations. There the Lord has no opportunity at all to speak. There the preachers are coming, there the parsons are coming, and they have the annual program. On the first Sunday, uh, Trinity Sunday, this text is read, and this scripture is read, on the second, on the third Sunday, that scripture, the whole program is ready for the whole year, written in advance, one just has to run this program. The Lord cannot speak there. Where does He speak? In His church. Where the word is put anew unto the lampstand. Here, in comparison, let me read verse 12 once again. In Zechariah chapter 2. And the Lord shall inherit Judah. His portion, His inheritance in the Holy Land, in the Holy Land, in the Land of Promise, in the Land of the Fathers. And we have seen the fulfillment of the promise. We have seen it already. We experienced, we witnessed it. The people of Israel from 143 countries, they were brought back and it is written, East, give up. North, don't keep them back. They're coming into the land of their fathers, returning unto the holy ground. And they in Jerusalem, there, God will again make them His inheritance and He will possess them. In the same way, it is with the New Testament Church. I say it once again. Where can God speak today? Of course, only in His church. All the others, they are in their own programs. And then it says, in verse 13, Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for He is raised up out of His holy habitation. Brothers and sisters, we are living in the time of the leading out and we emphasize it many times. We are thankful that we may live now 
with the revelation of the word and of the will of God in all reverence and with all respect before the divine order and before every word which was written in a certain context. And there, where it is written, there it belongs. And all the other scriptures which belong to it have to be also taken into consideration. Then we have in First Peter not only an announcement, but the fact that our brothers at the beginning preached the word in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then it speaks of things in which the angels desire to look into. First Peter chapter 1 verse 12 Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Remain in Jerusalem until ye are endued with the power from on high. Then ye shall be my witnesses. Then ye shall carry my word. And I will be with you. And I will accompany my word. And I will confirm it with signs and wonders following. The church must come back into the unity of faith and of the knowledge. We must seek the unity of the Spirit and we must find it. We must experience it together. And therefore it is necessary that we all leave behind all our own knowledge and our own doctrines to let ourselves be taught by God. Because that's how it is written. Not one brother will teach the other, but they all shall be taught by God. And now, we are coming also to the important point. Why did everybody misunderstand everything? Let us go back into church history. Every word of God was misunderstood, was being interpreted. And everywhere one can read it. Everywhere denominations came up. And how many do we have today? Are there 275 or 375? Somebody writes of thousands. If one takes all the other 
groups also into it. And all are saying they believe in the one God and they have the one Bible and they are coming to totally different conclusions and doctrines. Brothers and sisters, therefore, God has sent us a message in which is a complete summary of all of the plan of salvation of our God. Be it the Old or New Testament, be it the Gospels, up to the book of Revelation. We are really living after the opening of the seals. We are living in a glorious time and we have access to the things which the prophets didn't know. They were searching when it would be that these things should take place. And they were taken home before that time. Time and again, the Lord would tell us, Blessed are your eyes. And brothers and sisters, we are aware what kind of grace is connected with the calling out, with the separation. Therein our salvation and eternal bliss is anchored. Because that's how it is written in Second Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 14. What accord has light with darkness? What has an unbeliever to do with a believer? What has Christ to do with Baal? What has the church of Jesus Christ, the blood-bought flock, to do with all the man-made denominations? Our Lord says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Lord has not three or four hundred churches. He has one single church which is called out from all churches and denominations, called out from all peoples, tongues and nations which is submissive to Christ the head. And there, no creeds have to say so. Nothing what was decided in councils. There only God's holy word counts. And this throughout all eternity. Let us look into some scriptures to show us what was upon Paul's heart already at that time. Namely, to present Christ a chaste virgin. Second Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. Second Corinthians 11, verse 2 and 3. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. 
Here he speaks of the mystery Christ and the church. And then comes the fear in verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his craftiness, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And then the Apostle writes, perhaps we read it so that we have it precisely, verse 4. For if somebody comes along and preaches another Jesus unto you, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. And this is the trouble within the circles of those who refer to Brother Brenham and the message of the hour. If somebody comes along and tells them the prophet said, then nobody thinks of uh, to open up the Bible then all are in a good mood. We are only then in the right mood if we agree in our faith with God and His Word. An atmosphere which is only made up, this we don't need. We need the original word, the original blessings, the original experiences with God. And brothers and sisters, let us hold fast to it, that we not only heard the message of restoration, but the message foreruns the actual thing, but the actual thing has to follow, as our Lord said it. I go and I come again. So all the promises which he has given are yes and amen. And whoever likes it to know it better, let him read in Romans chapter 9, at least verse 8. Romans chapter 9, verse 8. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for deceit. Why do we emphasize in every sermon the promises? And Abraham has is really given to us as an example. It was him who dwelt in a pagan country on the other side of the river Euphrates. And behold, the Lord God leaves heaven 
comes down to this earth and speaks to a man. And this man before, together with Nahor and all the others, he was serving strange gods. He was going his own ways following his own religion but in the moment where the Lord God came down and visiting Abraham something happened and it happened once for all brothers and sisters a preaching is not enough for us the Lord has to meet us in His Word. And in the moment where the Lord meets us in His Word, and where the calling out takes place, and where the promise falls into our hearts, in that moment we are not looking anymore upon circumstances, not anymore upon the visible things, but we look unto the invisible as we would see him. And it's of course written in Hebrews that God confirmed the word with an oath. Let us read it in Hebrews. In chapter 6. We read the wonderful words, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 and 14. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Think of it, how God helps man and how he meets him halfway. Abraham is before him. He gave him the promise and he sees Abraham. Abraham, a man like all the others. And so that he never, so that he never slips into the moment where he could be tempted and tried, God swears to Abraham with an oath that the promise which he has given, it will be fulfilled. Is this not tremendous? Brothers and sisters, was there need for God to do this? No, but Abraham needed it so that never a doubt comes up. Therefore God swears by himself and says, I swear you, as I have said it and as I promised it, that's how it will take place. Brothers and sisters, what is with you? What is with me? What is with us? Oh, the certainty in the word of God. All the words are yes and amen. And all the promises are ours. Because we are the spiritual seed of Abraham. It continues in verse 14 saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. 
God swear. Abraham believed. And then it says, from verse 15, and so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Did we not read in James 5, verse 7, Be patient, beloved brethren. Abraham endured. He knew God has given the promise. God confirmed it by an oath. As God said it, so it will take place. Is this not our faith? Is there not our faith anchored? As you have said it, that's how it will be. That's how it will come to pass. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but God's word remains forever. He, he endured patiently and he obtained the promise. Brothers and sisters, nothing on the earth is so certain as the fulfillment of the promises which God has given us. There, no man can change anything on it. It's impossible. God, before the foundation of the world, He could decide and arrange His plan of salvation because He knows the end before the beginning. He knows what would come and be. And then it says, in verse 16 and 17, for men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. And then once again, the reference to God, verse 17, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the unchangeableness of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. He not only gave the promise, not only swearing by himself, he became surety, he became surety that that, what he promised, that it must take place, it will take place. This is something marvelous. And this is valid for all of us today. Dear brothers and dear sisters, in Romans, chapter 5, we have the wonderful words about redemption, about forgiveness, about grace and salvation. Romans, chapter 5, verse 9, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Then we go to verse 18 and 19 
where once again is being confirmed what happened for us, forgiveness, grace and salvation. Romans 5, verse 18 and 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. We contributed nothing to it that we were born in sin. We contributed nothing that He, the Redeemer, became sin for us so that we in Him might partake of His divine righteousness. And therefore it says in verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Everything happened for us and now it happens by grace through us. We have received the forgiveness, the reconciliation. We received the grace of God personally. We experienced that what God has promised to us. And in Jesus Christ our Lord and Redeemer, He has given it to us. And we believe that God was in Christ, reconciling the world with Himself. We believe that God's way to us is our way to God. And that there was only one who could say, I am the way, the truth and the life. In Romans chapter 8, it says in verse 3, Romans 8, verse 3, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. God spoke the sentence and the sentence was executed on, on, on our Lord and Redeemer. When, his, when you and my sin, when you and my guilt was laid upon the Lamb of God, because of our sins it happened. And therefore, our Lord says, if you don't believe that I am He, then ye shall die in your sin. 
We believe that it is Him. We believe that He is the great I am. In the Old Testament, he was not yet manifested as son. In all of the Old Testament, he was the Lord, the I am, who walked in the Garden of Eden, who spoke to the prophets, who visited Abraham, and according to Genesis 18, sitting down with him, together with two angels, eating with Abraham. And the two angels went on to Sodom and Gomorrah. In the Old Testament, he was the Lord, Yahweh. In the New Testament, he is Yahshua, Yahweh Savior. Even the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word in itself tells us who the Redeemer was and is. Yahweh, the eternal existing one, the same I am. And in the New Testament, you shall call his name Yahshua, Yahweh. And then Shua, Savior, Savior. He will be Yahweh's Savior personally. And therefore you can read it. After the resurrection of our Lord, He was never mentioned with a son title. Always the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. You just have to read it. You know, everything has its place in the Holy Scripture. Then, it goes up to 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. No man can say that Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And we could go from Scripture to Scripture. He is all in all. He is Lamb of God. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is Son of God. He is Son of Abraham. Son of David. Son of man. He is Advocate. He is Mediator. He can be all in all. Don't you worry. And he had to become all in all for our sakes so that we can have everything in him. Oh, blessed and praised be the Lord our God. These, of course, are no uh, teaching subjects about which one can argue. These are biblical truths for which we are thankful, thankful for every word of God. Here, there are the places which should be all read. But let us go to Colossians, chapter 1 to once again show us in what kind of way the man of God at the beginning preached the gospel and how they were setting forth the biblical truths. Colossians 1 verse 14 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Just say amen to it. We will not get it someday. He was wounded because of our sins. He was beaten, bruised because of our diseases. The chastisement was laid upon him so that we might have peace and by his stripes we were healed by his grace. Not will be healed, but it has happened already. Then it continues in verse 16. For by him were all things created. We just said it. It was him who walked in the Garden of Eden. The Word, he who spoke all things into existence and who even upholds today the whole universe by his mighty word, according to Hebrews 1. Then we read on in verse 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And now comes our part. You and my portion. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, namely the church. The head of the body, the church. Verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So, we really don't need any religious person or institution. God didn't bring us a religion. God revealed himself as Father in his only begotten Son. We can read it for the purpose. As written in Galatians 4, verse 4, to give us the adoption of sons. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, subject under the law. 
to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Verse 6, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Brothers and sisters, it is a complete, a finished and perfect work of redemption which God has given us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whoever bypasses this is lost. And this hurts. This hurts. And also all who add something to the word of God or to the message which was given to us. All who add something to it. Who, let us say it, who, if somebody twists the clear and true words unto his own destruction, unto his own destruction, and to the destruction of those who follow such brothers, who really have nothing else to do, and hold fast your seats. They are concentrating on not one single scripture which would serve and help the people of God. They are concentrating only on statements which can be understood this way and that way, which can be interpreted this way and that way. And sadly, they always come to the wrong conclusion. Why? Because they don't have the Spirit of God which leads into all truth. They have accumulated many ideas. As I said yesterday, some of them who are born after 1963, they claim that the Lord needs a whole time period and they refer to Jesus Christ our Lord who only could start his ministry at the age of 30 because that's how it is written in Numbers chapter 4 from verse 1 that a Levite could only start his ministry at the age of 30 and so our Lord had to fulfill the law and he started his ministry when the time was fulfilled. But what has this, what has this to do with the return of Jesus Christ which will happen on one day in one hour as the lightning comes from the east and shines to the west. Brothers and sisters, we have to time again emphasize it. For us, it's a great privilege to have received the fear of God in us, never having the urge to know something, but as written in the prophet Isaiah, give me 
You have given me an open ear, O God, an open ear. And then comes to it that the Lord can speak with his own who are walking with him. He can speak with them about the whole Bible. He can start with Genesis. He can continue with the Psalms. He can continue with the Prophets, with the Old and the New Testament. And behold, He not only speaks, He opens our understanding for the fulfillment of that what is written. And then our Lord can of can of course time and again take the book of books into his hand saying today this scripture is fulfilled before your eyes many things are being fulfilled before our eyes we didn't go into the signs of the time but this we all understood that we arrived at the end of the end time. Let us summarize what it's all about. In this prophetic age, we had a prophetic ministry because it is still written that God does nothing on the earth unless he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. That's how it is written. Amos 3, verse 7. And then it says, Shall a trumpet be blown in a city and the people not be afraid? God when it, is, when it is about the prophetic part of the plan of salvation, God has sent prophets. And in the New Testament, it's apostles and prophets. And whoever comes to Revelation 10, there is again the connection, as he revealed it unto his servants, the prophets. Also there, brothers and sisters, there are always keywords, keywords which open to us to see the connection precisely by His grace. When Paul writes to the Ephesians, then he writes, as he revealed it now unto his apostles and prophets. And whoever reads in Revelation 10, he can find out what is written there. Revelation 10. Revelation 10, verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants the prophets. Now, 
By the way, and this I'm saying now, for all the brothers who are listening, here it is about the seven trumpet angel, not about the seventh angel to the last church age at Laodicea, but it is about the seventh trumpet angel of which the scripture speaks here since the opening of the seventh seal in Revelation chapter 8 in verse 1 the silence in heaven about the half an hour and then in verse 2 and I saw the seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets the first trumpet in verse 7, the second verse 8, the third one in verse 10, the fourth trumpet in verse 12, the fifth in chapter 9, verse 1, and then the sixth in chapter 9, verse 13, and these trumpets leads us these to, to the four judgment angels which are bound at the great river Euphrates to destroy the third part of the world. And listen closely. In Revelation 10 it's announced. In Revelation 9 it is being accomplished. Revelation 7 verse 1. And after, after these things I saw four angels, not seven, four, standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Remember, four angels, which are bound. And here, in the last trumpet, it's written, in Revelation 9, verse 13 and 14, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound at the great river Euphrates. And then it happens. What is described? Namely that one third of mankind will be no more. Here we have the sixth trumpet. And in chapter 10, verse 7, the announcement, when the seventh angel will blow his trumpet, then the mystery of God is finished, as he declared it unto his servants, the prophets. Dear brothers and sisters, I love the divine order in the word. And I thank God for the leading of His Holy Spirit. No man would know his way around. 
These, the clever people, tried in, in all of the past. They tried it long enough. And they interpreted. And someday, they came to the point where they were at their end. We understand that by the last ministry, we are coming in closing now, by the last ministry, by the ministry of Brother Brennan, all the mysteries which were hidden were revealed from the Garden of Eden, from the first chapter of the Bible, up to the last one. Everything was revealed. Nothing remained in the dark. The bright light shines. By revelation we can see everything. But, and here we have to pay attention, Brother Brennan, every time when he referred to Revelation 10 verse 7, he spoke of the mysteries and not of the mystery. And also this should actually stand out to the brothers. It should stand out to all the brothers who think who think to be the mouth of the message. Brothers and sisters, we have said it time and again. If it says plural, then plural belongs there. If it says singular, then singular belongs to it. Always leaving it in the divine order. But here's the point. Brother Brenham was of course not the man through whom in the singular the mystery of God, which is Christ, should be finished. By his ministry, by his prophetic ministry, by the power of divine revelation, which was given to him as being a prophet, Really, everything was revealed about Godhead, baptism, Lord's Supper, about the sin of the fall, in fact, about everything, election, all Bible subjects were revealed. In the plural, the mysteries. But if it is then about Israel, then only about the one mystery about the mystery of God. And the mystery of God is Jesus Christ, our Lord. God manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, received up into glory, preached among the nations. Brothers and sisters, we thank the Lord God for the fullness of His Word. For every word, for every chapter, for every subject, we are very grateful to God. And we wish all the brothers and all sisters all over the earth that the bright church comes back into step again. That we all are found in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge one Lord, one faith, one baptism. No special doctrines, no twisting of the scripture, no twisting of the quotes, but true and clear setting forth of the word of God 
as it was revealed to us by His grace. And all who are of God are hearing the words of God. And if we are hearing them by faith, then they will be revealed to us by His grace, to Him, the Almighty God, the only God, be the praise and honor now and forever. Amen. We stand up for prayer. Let us sing the chorus just as I am. Nicht mag ne Kraft, nur du allein. Dein Blut wäscht mich von Sünden rein. O oh Gottes Lamm, ich komme, As we are in silent prayer, I would like to ask, especially all the newcomers, I just would like to ask, have you experienced a conversion, a renewing, a new birth? Was God's word sown as a seed into your hearts? Was it planted? And brothers and sisters, I have the request to us and worldwide, to all the brothers and sisters, I have the request, no mixture, no mixing, no interpretations, no explanations, but the clear and true word of God, which remains forever. How many agree that we don't give our ear to any interpretation, to any explanation about message or about the word, but that we abide in the word of truth forever. Say Amen. 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 And this confirms that we are the divine seed. Because in John 8, our Lord said to the, to the scribes, He said, Why can't you not even hear my speech? And then He Himself gives the answer. Because you are not of God. Already therein we experience the test whether we have an agreement to the word. And if we hear it for the first time, let me say it clearly here. If you were chosen from before the foundation of the world as a son and daughter of God, then your heart will open as the heart of Mary and of Lydia and all those. Their hearts opened 
who heard the word of God. The resistance is given up. One's own knowledges are left behind. We are cleaning up, we are cleaning up with all the old leaven to become a new unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. As Paul wrote it, to the church in Corinth who likes to believe as Abraham who likes to loosen himself from everything living in the certainty that God will fulfill whatever he promised it's the church the nicest the most Precious, the most precious which God has on the earth. This is the blood-bought flock, the church of the firstborn. And therefore, brothers and sisters, we are precious in the eyes of our God. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, has given His blood and life for us. He redeemed us. Rejoice about it. He redeemed us. Our guilt and sin is forgiven. We found grace in the sight of God. How many would like to raise their hands that we can include you in this prayer? All of us All of us would like it best to raise our hands, praying to God. Let us do it. Dear Lord, your word also does not return void today, but it accomplishes all over the earth for what you have sent it for to call out, to teach, to correct, to reveal. Precious Lord, have thine own way with thy church. Bless, bless, as you blessed Abraham. Fulfill, fulfill the promises. Fulfill them shortly. We believe we are waiting for it. And we give you the honor and the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise it. Den Herrn. Rühmet seinen heiligen Namen. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, es ist Jesus. 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 Nur allein. Ich hab berührt den Saum seines Kleides. Und sein Blut 
Amen. Amen. Amen.